Acts 3 verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until a time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Amen. The individual with the largest religious following in history is the man Jesus Christ. The man with the second biggest following, religious following in history, is Muhammad. Muhammad. And Islam teaches that um, Jesus was one of a line of prophets and that Muhammad was the final prophet. They said that if uh, anything that Jesus or the other prophets said contradicted Islam, those things were to be disregarded. In other words, uh, what Muhammad says uh, trumps what uh, Jesus Christ said. We, of course, maintain that uh, this, this, is, this is false. Uh, Jesus Christ had real supernatural power. Muhammad had no power whatsoever except the power of the flesh through the edge of the sword. Uh, Jesus was one who could raise a man from the dead. Muhammad couldn't do such a thing. Jesus uh, was the only man to ever leave the grave and be resurrected and ascend to heaven. Muhammad stayed in the ground. Muhammad is dead. And those uh, incoherent uh, thoughts of his, those ramblings which make up uh, the, much of the Quran, uh, those things are not to be compared with the teachings of Christ Jesus. We say then that Christ Jesus is the prophet, the great prophet, the greatest prophet in fact. And uh, we, we say that he has these titles, so we say he is a king. But we go further and we say that he is the king above all kings. We say that he has a role of a priest. But again we go further and say that he's not just a priest, he is the great high priest. And in the same way, we say Jesus is a prophet. 
But more than a prophet, he is the greatest prophet who has ever lived. He is the great prophet. He is the one. So what I'd like us to do today then is to think about a few elements in Peter's speech as he finishes this off. He finishes off his speech and he talks about the, uh, the predictions made by the prophets down the years uh, of this prophet who was to come. Peter talks something about, he says something about the ministry, the ministry of this prophet Jesus on the earth. And then he continues, and uh, rather we shall continue then to talk a little bit about the return, the return of this prophet Jesus at the last day. So then, in terms of the promise of the prophet, that is those anticipations going back hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born, uh, that such a prophet would arise. It says uh, to us in verse 18, it says in verse 18 uh, about uh, God foretelling these things by the mouth of all the prophets. So he's reminding them that there are all these predictions or these prophecies about this prophet figure and uh, in fact i was only i was looking the other day to refresh my memory uh, there was a table a table of contents of uh, prophecies of the old testament which were fulfilled in christ and there's a lot that are scores of prophecies that were fulfilled and based on our acceptance of these uh, gospel accounts as being uh, true accounts of the life of Jesus, uh, we can even go as far to say that the probability of all those prophecies being fulfilled in that one man, in the ways that they did, uh, is, is uh, the probability is so, um, the probability, let me get this the right way around now, the probability that uh, he's not this man is extremely low or looking at it the other way uh, in fact uh, you know mathematically you might say uh, Jesus can said to, to have been uh, the one alone who fulfilled all these things to such a to such a degree that we can say it's it's uh, it's incontrovertible we can go that far so there's all these prophecies and um, a couple of aspects of these prophecies, one of them is, is in verse 18, it talks about his suffering, it gives, it gives uh, an example of prophecies about Jesus' sufferings. If you turn to the Psalms, if you'd like to say to Psalm 22, uh, we will find there uh, an example, an example of one of these prophecies, Psalm 22 and verse 16 is regarded as one of these prophecies which came uh, to be fulfilled at Calvary. Psalm 22, 16 onwards says, these are effectively the thoughts of Christ. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. 
And we see these things all over the scriptures and uh, that leads us to conclude that even the murder of Jesus Christ, which was a crime and a sin, was, was in place to fulfil the purposes of God. He used that bunch of wicked people, God did, to fulfil his own purposes. Another aspect that it speaks of in, in, in the speech here is about prediction about these particular days that the apostles lived in. And you can find a, a reference to that in Micah. Very well known reference in Micah. Uh, you don't have to turn to it unless you're confident you can find this tiny, tiny book in the Old Testament. But Micah 5 and 2, if you are taking notes, says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one his who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Okay, so we have we have a mention there, some, some prophecy about these days that were coming. And whether you think of this as a sort of these days, these gospel days as a a sort of spiritual millennium or a golden age or however you describe it those days were coming they were prophesied and Jesus was the one who introduced them these days and in particular though in terms of in terms of the, 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 the theme of prophet we, we have uh, we have a reference there in back in Acts 3 to Moses did you spot that it says, verse 22, when Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And every soul who doesn't listen shall be destroyed. And we insist that this is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so you may, if you wish, search the Old Testament looking for individuals who, who satisfy that description, who you might think fulfil what Moses said. But that is irrelevant because the greatest and primary fulfilment is in Jesus Christ. He was the one who was really being spoken about. He is that great prophet. So let's look uh, at the ministry then, the ministry of the prophet. His ministry, what Jesus did when he came. It said in verse 26, God raised him up. God raised him up. In other words, he caused him to be born from a virgin into this world so that he might be God and man. And he was raised up as God's great prophet. Now, a, a cousin, a cousin of Jesus's, slightly older than Jesus, John, his cousin John. Well, John had his own ministry, and John was in the ministry before Jesus, and there was a reason for that. John was uh, clearing the path. He was sweeping away the rubbish. He was brushing the path. He was making the pathway clear for the arrival of the Messiah himself to introduce him. You might think it's rolling out the red carpet. Maybe that's not the best description. But he was, he was clearing the path. 
He was making people ready, preparing them for something that was coming. And so, such was John's ministry, such was its uh, power, such was his own zeal. The people said to him, are you, are you the prophet? You know, the prophet? Is it you? And John said, no. John deflected it to someone else. And we find that the people gradually came to realise who the prophet was. And it's contained in that reading that Graham gave us earlier. And it's found in John 6, and it's in uh, verse 14. Because something strange had happened, Jesus had multiplied bread and food, and, and, and it just kept, just kept coming out of this basket, you know, just kept handing it out, and it just multiplied. It didn't stop, and all these thousands were, were, were uh, fed, and of course the people were stunned, the, the disciples were stunned, and at that point the people came to this conclusion. This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When they say who is to come into the world, the prophesied one, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the prophet. The prophet. So Moses said, God's going to raise up a prophet like me. So was Jesus like Moses? Yes, he was, uh, in a sense, a man like Moses. But he was more than a man. Both of them were mediators. What I mean by that is they were mediators of covenants, agreements. You can imagine Moses there as the, the in-between man between uh, the, the, the people on one hand and God on the other. You might like to think of Moses as the, the, the officiating minister who was conducting a marriage ceremony between God and his people. And in a very similar way, Jesus was the mediator of a covenant as well. Also between God, but with his elect people from all nations, not just Jews, but a, a far, far bigger number of people. And you might then say that there was a, another marriage ceremony going on. And the word of God tells us that this new arrangement, this new covenant was way superior to that of Moses. So like Moses, but better. I mean, Moses was a spokesman for God. I mean, what a, what a position to be in, to, to speak on God's behalf and have the confidence that you're doing it faithfully. What a privilege, what a responsibility. He was a spokesman for God. As was Jesus in a way, he says, I've come to tell you what, I've been instructed by the Father, I'm here to preach it to you. So in his prophetic role, that's what he was doing. But he was more than that, because he was God himself at the same time. He was superior to Moses in that respect. And we think about Moses with the law. The law inscribed on stone. <coughs> on slates, on tablets of stone, the law on there, and Jesus came, <coughs> Jesus came uh, with a law which would be written on fleshly slates of the heart. Jesus was superior to Moses as a prophet. So what was his ministry then? 
this great prophet Jesus what was what was he here for well he was bringing a message to Jews first of all that's where Jesus arrived he wasn't born in the Far East Jesus wasn't born in South America Jesus was born amongst the very people that God had placed his focus on the Hebrew people and so he came to them first and so we find in verse uh, 20, uh, 26 there toward the end Peter says God raised him up and he sent him to you first he's telling the Jews he sent him to you first with this open declaration that if you repent you can have your sins forgiven Jesus was there to tell the Jews that there was something they needed to think in a fundamentally different way. Jesus was saying that you need to think in terms of getting right with God through faith. We, we call that justification, being saved. We, we sometimes call that justification. Justification means when you make someone righteous. And so that is through faith. And this is, this is what the Jews had to get their head around. And so he comes to them and, you know, they, they did Jesus in, the Jews. They, 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 they killed the good man, the righteous man. They, they killed him and they sinned in that way. And then Peter says, God will make an allowance for your stupidity. We, you killed a good man. That's a crime, that's a sin, you will pay for that. But, you know, you didn't fully understand. And Jesus said the same from the cross, Lord, they have no idea what they're doing. I mean, would they have killed their own Messiah if they'd have believed he was the Messiah? Of course not. There was a level of ignorance, a lack of awareness. And Peter says, you know, that, that's being taken into consideration. And... You know, they ignored that, they killed the Prince of Life. And then now, uh, Peter's coming back, coming back to the very location where Jesus was put to death with this message of salvation, with the gospel. <clears throat> so here is exhibited the mercy of God in a magnificent way, sending the Jews Christ in the first place and then afterwards sending Christ's apostles to the same people. I don't believe in that God gives people a chance to be saved. But if we can use that language for a moment, it's as if God's saying, you're having a second chance. Well, it came to them, but fundamentally important is this. Verse 25 says, going back, right back to the days of Abraham, and he quotes this, what God said to Abraham, through your offspring, through your children and grandchildren, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all the families or nations of the earth will be blessed. What did Abraham think? Well, I imagine he didn't think it would be like what we have today. He would be, his mind would be blown if he understood what it really meant. But this was for the whole world, this message, it was for everyone. The Gentiles, it turns out, 
would, through obedience to the gospel, they would get the same things as the Jews. They would get the same blessings, the same uh, gifts from God. The message itself is this. Peter starts by saying, verse 19, Peter says to these now, so, repent, turn back, so that your sins may be blotted out. Blotted out. It's about forgiveness. It's about forgiveness. You picture a sinner, she's, she's feeling sinful and needs to do something about it. She needs to get right with God. Why? Because she has been a target, the recipient of the Holy Spirit, who's changed her. Why? Because she was elect from eternity. And God had determined to save her, and she was always going to be saved. There was never any question. That was her destiny, if you like. Why? Why save her? Because God wanted to display his glory forever. He wanted to display his love for his creatures forever. And he would do that through having mercy on a great multitude. The result of wiping out of sins, a complete annihilation of the record of your sins, that book, that volume, that record of your sins taken away and destroyed, and you're instead given a pass, uh, a pass which guarantees you eternal life. That's what it means to be forgiven. And also Peter says there that about this ministry, the prophet, verse 20, he says about these times of refreshing, the times, the times of refreshing. It says here in 1 Peter, the first chapter now, 1 Peter. It says something about this. It says in 1 Peter, the first chapter, chapter 1, and uh, verse 10 and 11. He says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Um, that's a long sentence, but the prophets had the spirit of Christ in them, and they were thinking and reading and researching and trying to work out who this person would be and the timing of it when he would come. And so it turns out we have these times of refreshing when Jesus uh, came and will come. And the times of refreshing, you might like to think that that's when Jesus returns, but it's already started. It's already started. It's been going on for 2,000 years. The times of refreshing is this massive uh, ingathering of God's people 
Because in the last, well, in the last few hundred years, there have been more people coming to the kingdom of God than the rest of history put together. The exciting days, and it's, it, this has already started, and of course this will uh, continue over into the world to come. Well, folks, we shall uh, just finish off now by speaking about, we've looked at the promise of the prophet, the ministry of the prophets, and now the return. The return of the prophet Jesus is going to return. And so uh, it says in verse 23, a word of judgment, a word of a threat, to be blunt, a threat. You don't listen to this prophet, there's going to be trouble. Jesus has different roles, and I've mentioned a few of them, but now, we, we picture Jesus now putting aside the robes of his prophetic ministry and taking on the garments of a judge now. This is the picture. Judge. Now, I said to you earlier that the, the Jews who will stand in his judgment, they will have this thing in court they call mitigation, mitigating factors why we should go a little bit easier on the person. And Peter says, okay, God, who is all just, is going to factor that in, that you didn't know exactly what you were doing, but you still sinned. And forget the murder of Jesus. Your whole lives are characterised by sin. And so they are guilty. And particularly, they are guilty of um, well, the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. They will stand there, uh, guilty, no way out, because of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit by, uh, by uh, ignoring or suppressing the word of the Spirit, the voice of the Spirit in their conscience, telling them uh, that this man Jesus was genuine. No way out for them. They didn't listen to the prophet, and it says there, all those who don't listen to him will be destroyed. And it's the same fate for all the other millions of people who will stand alongside the Jews. People, sadly, who we know. People who we love. It's the same fate. But still, there are those, in verse 21, there are those Who will enjoy the full restoration of things. There are those who in time, people in this very room, who have obeyed the voice of the prophet, who have obeyed him. And they've obeyed him when he, he said, repent. And they obeyed him when he said, follow me. And they obey him as they go out and tell others about him. And the proof of the work of God in them is their obedience to the gospel, their obedience to the prophet. And all them, all those people who have in this life obeyed the voice of that great prophet Jesus will be eternally saved and share that eternity with all those who have obeyed uh, God's greatest prophet. 